0: Hi, I'm Simon Drew and welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, where I dive deep into the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. If you find value in this podcast, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Drew. Otherwise, you can head to simonjedrew.com to find my writings, my music, and also information about my one-on-one coaching. But apart from that, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast and also welcome to the new year 2021. Look, I really hope that you've had an amazing kickoff to the year so far. And I've got to say, I am really looking forward to the next six months, particularly. Uh, there's so many exciting things happening around here, you know, to do with the podcast, uh, to do with my coaching, my Patreon, spending a lot of time there. And, and, and also with my writing and, and with my music creation, there's a, a lot of exciting things in the works. That I'm kind of chipping away at very slowly uh, until I finally reach this destination where I can show you something. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm also particularly excited about this series that I'm doing for you here on the podcast around Seneca's writings. You know, you'll remember from the previous episode that um, I'm doing an entire series where I'm going to be diving really deep into Seneca's writings and trying to get as much value out of those those writings as I possibly can. Uh, I really admire Seneca and and his thoughts. And so uh, basically in this episode today, this is the second episode of that series, and I couldn't think of a better episode to start 2021 with, just because the quote that I mention in this uh, particular episode really influenced me disproportionately uh, in 2020. And so what I'm hoping is that you'll also take away some important messages from this from this quote and uh, and that it will also aid your own personal growth. And uh, before we dive into the episode today, uh, I just want to let you know that this podcast, it would not be possible without my amazing Patreon supporters. And if you do have the means, then please jump on over there. It's patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. And there's a whole bunch of benefits that I give to those people who support me on there including early access to all of these Seneca series episodes, uh, which means that even though I will be posting four of these episodes in the month of January here on the podcast, uh, you'll be able to hear 12 of these episodes uh, in January if you're in my Patreon community. Uh, Also, I'm running meetup groups every month. Uh, You can get access to over 200 episodes that are recorded before 2020, And now that I've pretty much given up every social media that I once had, uh, I'm now using Patreon as my social media. So I'm going to be posting updates from myself uh, here on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, Just silly little things like, for example, today you could see a wonderful picture of a horrifying spider that my wife and I encountered on our morning walk. Uh, You know, everything that you Americans have heard about Australia, I'm telling you it is... 100% true. So anyway, as I said, if you do want to find out more, just go to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. And finally, I just wanted to let you know that even though it is always a great time to work on your personal growth, uh, you know, I've found that this time of year is particularly useful when it comes to setting new aims. Uh, you know, figuring out who it is that you want to be, and figuring out the areas of your character that you could work on and improve throughout the new year. And uh, this is exactly the sort of stuff that I love to work on with my coaching clients. And so, if you are after some sort of one-on-one coaching uh, or, or, or building a relationship with somebody who is going to work with you to move towards a more meaningful life, uh, then that's exactly what I love to do. So, just go to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching and you can book in a free initial consultation with me there where we can get to know each other more. And it's absolutely no obligation, but I'd love to meet you and I'd love to find out more about where you're heading in 2021. So without any further ado, I present to you my episode, Seneca on Communing with the Divine. This is the first episode in my series on Seneca's writings where I'll be diving uh, headfirst into a passage that he wrote or quote that he wrote and trying to show you what I get out of uh, these writings and and maybe to help you to see them in a different light. And, you know, I originally thought that I was going to be starting just straight from the start of Seneca's epistles uh, and going all the way through. Uh, But there's a place that I want to start before I get into the epistles, because there's a passage that Seneca writes in his Consolation to Helvia, his mother, and this passage has probably impacted me more than... I mean, anything that Seneca wrote. And so I thought, why don't we start with the thing that I consider to be one of the best things that he's ever written. Uh, and, and then maybe share with you why I think it's so important uh, that we start at a place like this. And, uh, and so, I'm going to read you this, this passage. It's quite long, so stick with it. But the, one of the reasons why I love this passage that I'm about to read you is because, to me, it seems like the perfect mix of philosophy, theology, metaphysics, and uh, you know, literary finesse. It's just absolutely gorgeous and it really should stir your soul and get you to wonder how you could possibly get to the stage where you start to think like somebody like Seneca thinks when he's writing like this so listen carefully and it goes like this quote how little have we lost when the two finest things of all will accompany us wherever we go universal nature and our individual virtue believe me This was the intention of whoever formed the universe, whether all-powerful God, or incorporeal reason, creating mighty works, or divine spirit penetrating all things from greatest to smallest with even pressure, or fate and the unchanging sequence of causation. This, I say, was the intention, that only the most worthless of our possessions should come into the power of another. Whatever is best for a human being lies outside human control. It can be neither given nor taken. The world you see, nature's greatest and most glorious creation, and the human mind which gazes and wonders at it, and is the most splendid part of it, these are our own everlasting possessions and will remain with us as long as we ourselves remain. So, eager and upright, Let us hasten with bold steps wherever circumstances take us, and let us journey through any countries whatever. There can be no place of exile within the world, since nothing within the world is alien to men. From whatever point of the earth's surface you look up to heaven, the same distance lies between the realms of gods and men. Accordingly, provided my eyes are not withdrawn from that spectacle, of which they never tire, Provided I may look upon the sun and the moon and gaze at the other planets. Provided I may trace their risings and settings, their periods and the causes of their travelling faster or slower. Provided I may behold all the stars that shine at night. Some fixed, others not travelling far afield but circling within the same area. Some suddenly shooting forth and others dazzling the eye with scattered fire, as if they are falling or gliding past with long trail of blazing light. Provided I can commune with these and, so far as humans may, associate with the divine, and provided I can keep my mind always directed upwards, striving for a vision of kindred things, what does it matter what ground I stand on? End quote. You know, that passage is probably my favorite quote from any philosopher that I've ever read. And I think that the reason why it means so much to me is because it, it kind of sets a really beautiful and outlandish goal in my mind for the kind of experience might be the right word, the kind of experience that I would like to have in my interaction with the world around me. And I think that this passage exemplifies one of the main reasons why I'm so drawn to a writer like Seneca, because I feel such a connection with the kind of, the the ways that he talks about his connection with nature and the ways that he talks about his experience with the world around him. You know, I grew up on a farm and... And so, you know, I was always around animals and out in nature, out running around the forest, you know, we could see these beautiful, uh, the Milky Way at nighttime, we could see all of the stars because there wasn't a lot of light around, you know, we'd sit there on a trampoline and just look up at the stars. And, you know, I also love climbing mountains here on the Sunshine Coast. And so, you know, there's nothing that I love more than climbing up a mountain and just feeling of the presence of, uh, of being in nature and being in that place, which is my home, you know. And and at the end of the day, when I read something like this from Seneca, one of the main questions that I try to ask myself is, do you feel at home in the cosmos, in the world? Do you feel like you belong? Because you can get a sense from this passage from Seneca that what he's trying to say here is that I belong, you know, and... And and this cosmos is my home, so why should I feel alienated from it? And this obviously has a lot to do with Seneca's stoic bent. You know, so one of the things that the Stoics kind of teach is that the cosmos is a well ordered system. There's a reason to the cosmos, and that we can actually tap into that reason because we have the divine spark called the Logos, uh, which is the divine ordering principle of the universe. uh, And that is our spark of divinity. And if we can learn to connect with that, Then we can feel at home in this well ordered cosmos and we can feel as though we belong. And that is something like the flourishing life. And so when you read a passage like that, you've got to go deeper than just saying, well, that's a beautiful piece of writing. Yeah, it might be a beautiful piece of writing, but there's some very deep questions that you need to ask yourself uh, when you read that. And one of those questions is, do I feel at home in the cosmos? Do I feel like I can commune with the divine? You know, do I feel as though I am connected to the world around me and engaging with the world around me in the same way that Seneca does? Uh, And and I think that's a really important question to ask. And and if you ask it, honestly, I think that you'll you'll recognize that in this kind of fast paced uh, kind of world that we live in where... Uh, you know, a lot of the value that is placed upon us has most to do with uh, the productivity and output of our lives, as opposed to the, uh, the meaning that we experience and the connection that we feel with the people around us and the world around us. You know, I, I think when you ask that question, it's easy to feel as though we, we are alienated from ourselves and from the cosmos and from the world around us. And It's also important to note that when Seneca was writing this, he was actually exiled in Corsica. And so he was writing this to his mother uh, while he was actually exiled from his country, you know, away from his kin. And, And he would be there, obviously, looking up at the stars and feeling as though he still wasn't without the necessities of life. And that's... Powerful. That's really powerful stuff. And so I want to kind of go through this one more time with you and maybe pick out a few of the interesting bits that stand out to me. Um, and, and I hope that we can kind of get even more out of this just absolutely wonderful passage. So the first big lesson of this passage is he's basically saying that, listen, there's two things that go with us wherever we go that's universal nature. And our individual virtue. Now those two things that go along with us wherever we go. Those are things that nobody can take away from us. And he essentially goes on to say that it was the intention of whoever created this cosmos. That the most important things that we have as human beings. Are those things that cannot come under the power of another. right? And, and that the most worthless things, on the contrary, the most worthless things to us are things that can come under the power of another. And that's a really powerful idea, and you find this all throughout the Stoics' writing. This idea that the most important thing that you have is your soul. You know, it's the thing that is your divine spark between you and the reason of the cosmos. And that's the most important thing because that's where every decision that you make springs forth from. So instead of focusing on all of these external things that we focus on out in front of us in the world, why don't you go to the very root of the problem? Why don't you go to the very root of your suffering, of your delight, of your decisions, of the way that you perceive the world and try to change that? right? And try to connect with that and maybe build a good relationship with it so that it starts to work for you as opposed to sometimes working against you. And that's what Seneca is saying here. It's like, that's the most important thing is your connection with universal nature or universal reason, you know, or the cosmos, or you might say God, or you might say whatever it is, consciousness, your conscience, whatever you like to call it. It's that thing that is the very root of everything that you experience here on earth. And and so you want to build that connection, right? And that is also the very thing that leads to virtue, which is the thing that is going to help you to live a flourishing life. And and so, you know, Seneca is saying here, those are the two most important things and we take them with us wherever we go. They are always with us, Right. And Seneca says that these things will remain with us as long as we remain. And that's an interesting thing to think about as well. Because do you really know how long you will remain? And there's also a big question is, uh, what is you? You know, uh, when does it become a point where you no longer have that connection? Is there a point where you no longer have that connection? But Seneca's saying here, look, it's going to remain with us as long as we remain. So as long as that's the case, he says, eager and upright, let us hasten with bold steps towards whatever circumstances take us, wherever circumstances take us. You know, that's such a powerful line. Listen, as long as you have that connection with the divine cosmos, that connection of divinity, the logos, as long as you have that, let's get to work. You know, let's start trying to live in this existence and experience it and engage with it. And that seems to be what Seneca did throughout his entire life. You know, he engaged with life. He was up against it. You know, he's writing here from an island where he's been exiled, but still he's talking to his mother about... The beauty of looking up at the stars and engaging with the cosmos around him. You know, this is a guy who understood the importance of, of everything that we've got going on here. Uh, and, and so that's such a beautiful, uh, motivating energy that he has in his writings. And so for the rest of the passage, he's essentially saying, listen, as long as I can look up to the sky and I can trace the comings and goings of these planets and and feel a connection with that. And he, he finishes by saying, provided that I can commune with these and so far as humans may associate with the divine and provided I can keep my mind always directed upwards, striving for a vision of kindred things. What does it matter what ground I stand on? And that's such a powerful way to look at the world around you. Uh, This idea that, listen, if I always take with me this connection to the divine whole of the cosmos, if I always take with me this beautiful relationship that I have uh, developed with the world that I see around me, then it doesn't matter where I'm standing because I will be able to experience uh, the true glory and majesty of what's happening here. And this line of thinking really gets me going because... One thing that I've kind of thought about lately is that if you're in a reasonable position in your life where you have the freedom and general stability to be able to even think about philosophy and think about life and the fundamental questions of life, and if while you are in that position you don't develop a thrilling fascination and a wonder about the world around you and how incredible it is that we get to experience something as strange as this, then I think that that's a missed opportunity. And I think it's almost a tragedy because life is oh so interesting when you finally realize that what you know about life is nothing at least compared to what you could know or what you could understand or what you could experience or what you could see in the world around you. And a good example of this, a good way to think about it is, you know, when you go into an art gallery and you look at a piece of art, now somebody's going to come beside you and they're going to look at the exact same piece of art and they might see so much more in that art than what you see. And one of the reasons is because the question that is being called out to every single person who looks at a piece of art or listens to a piece of music or looks at a sculpture or looks at an amazing piece of architecture, you know, the question that is being called out is, what do you see in this? You know, and so you've got to think people are paying millions of dollars for pieces of artwork. People flock all around the world do, doing basically pilgrimages, you know, to go to these art galleries to see these most famous pieces of art. Why do they do that? Because there's something to see. And all art is derivative of the world around us. All all art comes from the same place, which is inspiration from the experience that we are all having here as divine creatures on this earth. And so bringing it back to Seneca's writing that I read earlier, you know, what I see in this piece of writing is a guy who is looking up at the sky as if it were an incredible piece of artwork and he sees something in it and he gets something from it and it invigorates him and it guides him. And so maybe you have to think it would be good if I could expand my own vision of the world so that I actually see something in this place that I'm living, which, which is my home. And a good place to start uh, that has really helped me uh, to start on this path of kind of broadening uh, my vision of, of what this world is uh, is to first begin by cutting yourself some slack and recognizing that it's actually not that easy to expand your uh, perceptual vision of this world uh, and to to bring more into it. And the reason is because you're a human being and human beings are aiming creatures, right? And so if something doesn't fit the category of a stepping stone towards the goal that you're currently aimed at whether that's walking from this room to the next or uh, trying to achieve your next career goal then you just simply will not see it and that's just because of how our brain is wired and and, and that's where the wisdom of that quote comes in, stop and smell the roses, right? That's what we say to somebody when they're so focused in life that they're, they don't even see all of the beauty around them, right? They're so focused on the thing that they think they want that they, they can't even see how amazing everything around them is. So, stop and smell the roses. It's, it's a great piece of advice and it's the advice I would give to you when you're trying to kind of gain that mindset that Seneca might have, when he's just so uh, captivated by the beauty of the stars and the planets, and and the fact that he gets to be here and experience this consciousness, right? And so in your own life, you might think, how can I stop and smell the roses? You know, do I take a moment to just look up at the stars and think one day, and just think about how amazing that is. Do I go and climb a mountain? Do I go on a hike? Uh, Do I go and look at a beautiful piece of art and see what I see in that art? Do I listen to a piece of music and try to think about the way that it makes me feel, the way that uh, that it helps me to experience the world around me? You know, paying attention to those little things that we often forget about because we're so focused on everything else in life. And as you do that, you know your understanding of yourself and your place within the world will will expand. That's one of the gifts that our culture gives us: is art and literature and music and movies and 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 you know protection uh, of of natural resources. And it's absolutely amazing that uh, you know we we. we will at least me in Australia and a lot of you in, in, in a lot of great countries uh, get to experience a life like that. And there's a reason why we have all of this stuff. It's It's beckoning us to expand our perceptions of the world and to engage with the, with the world in a different way. So I guess that's pretty much all that I wanted to share with you in today's episode. I really hope that you find it insightful. Uh, I hope that you find it useful, and I hope that you walk away from, you know, hearing this episode, uh, having a few things to think about in your own life. Uh, you, you know, when I started the Practical Stoic podcast, uh, I, I had the kind of mindset of, you know, philosophy is only going to be useful to me if it gives me a practical tip that I can take away and use right now in my life. And there's, there's a fair point to be made there. Uh, but something that, that really changed the way that I think about philosophy um, is, a, uh, is a Kurt Lewin uh, quote. And it actually says the following, there's nothing more practical than a good theory. You know, when I heard that, I thought, you know, that's so true because you read something like this from Seneca, this passage from today's episode, and and you think, you know, what you want to take away from that is some sense that you really need to go away and do some thinking about the way that you perceive the world, the way that you experience and engage with the world around you. You know, you really want to do some thinking about this sort of stuff and maybe let it seep into your mind and seep into your soul. And uh, and so I hope that a lot of these episodes will give you really practical applications uh, from, from the teachings of Seneca. I know they will. Um, but a lot of it, what I hope is that you'll walk away and you'll think, I really need to do some deep thinking about the way that I'm living my life. Um, And also, I hope that you like the format. I hope that you enjoy the way that I speak about these things. Um, You know, I I, I think that at times I may sound like some sort of evangelical philosophical preacher, but I, I guess I'm just really passionate about these kinds of writings because I know that they have completely transformed the way that I show up in the world. And, and I know that they can do the same for you. And uh, and they're so valuable and they're so necessary. They're so necessary, especially in the kind of world that we're living in right now. So uh, I'm really passionate about that. And I hope that you guys get a lot out of these, uh, these episodes to come. So enjoy, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. Remember that you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon There you'll gain access to many exclusive episodes that haven't been released yet, as well as over 200 episodes recorded before 2020. If you'd like to work one-on-one with me as you move towards your ideal, then you can go to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. But for now, I'll talk to you next time.